Hello, Bears fans. Welcome back to another edition of Bears on Tap. The bi-week hibernation is ending. We are coming back to you live here with another show as the Bears look to take on the Detroit Lions in the upcoming Week 14 action. Before we get to all that good stuff, I am Ron Luce, joined by the mastermind himself, Mr. Q at Butkus Stats on the old X machine. My friend, Quentin, how are you today? Happy Tuesday, dude. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It's uh, just getting out of hibernation. It was a nice week off and uh, just getting back to grinding the film, getting back to looking at the O-line, putting out my O-line clips on Twitter and getting ready to put my article out this week. There we go. And you can find that over at ontapsportsnet.com. A very, very needed plug. Uh, Q does a great job with the offensive line examination articles throughout the course of the season. So if you haven't been keeping up with those, you need to do so now if you haven't been already. Q, we got a, a, a bit of a show on hand today. We got some uh, some rumors despite um, a Bears bye week. But before we get into those rumors quickly, my friend, uh, how nice was it having your red zone Sunday, knowing the bears couldn't hurt you in week 13? It was wonderful, man. I was, uh, <laughs> I kind of wish we had some better games on, but you know, I can't complain. Like it was, it was ugly. It was, but it's still football. And in March I'll, I'll be going back to like my, uh, what's it called? The, uh, NFL plus subscription, looking back at these games, just longing for them. So, you know, I feel that you get by. Yeah, you know what? I agree with you. It wasn't necessarily the best week of football, I think, overall, but uh, it certainly could have been worse. And and uh, you know what, though? it uh, There was a lot of things that happened that still kind of involved the Bears, and, and we're going to get into some of those discussions here later in the show. But probably the most notable piece of news, Q, as we get on the microphone here on Tuesday, December 5th, that came out. It was a rumor, a report uh, via Josiah Anderson uh, was the original source, but it sounds like the Bears now are reporting tied to one Eric Bieniemy. Um, there has been some conversation. Again, this is all just hearsay. Nothing is probably concrete at this point, but um, there is some possible indication that Matt Eberflus is no longer the coach after this season, although I think the script has largely flipped um, given their 4-4 four and four run over the last eight weeks before the bye week that Maybe he does stick around. But nonetheless, what do you think, you of the Eric Bieniemy to the Bears rumors sparking conversation entering week 14? I think Eric B. was sending a text to Josina after that going, thanks for the plug. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I think that that was a favor somewhere along the line. I mean, I do. I really do like the fact that it, Anything that's pushing the narrative of the Bears are going to be seeking a new head coach is good in my mind because that means there's talk going on around the league, around agents and such that, you know, there is going to be a change there. And I think that that's a plus in any way that you look at it. But as far as Eric B specifically goes, I mean, I almost think it would be more likely that if Eberflus came back, Eric B would be OC. Like that's what I think would be the more likely thought there of like where Eric B could fit into a picture with his relationship with polls. He's probably not getting past this season in Washington. So because Rivera is on the hot seat, if you're, if you're canning Rivera, you're getting rid of the whole staff. So right. then at that point, it, it seems odd to me that he would be a head coach option there. Like he's done some good stuff with Sam Howell and like there, there's some stuff sure to has. really like there, but there are also, a lot of red flags around the guy from his past that I I'm not going to sit here and say, I think that those should keep him from being a head coach, but I think they are the type of things that will keep him out of off the McCaskey's list. Mm, interesting. And fair. I, I know Eric B has historically been a very, um, I don't want to use the word polarizing because I don't think that's the right term here, but it, he's, he's been a very intriguing head coaching candidate because of everything you just named, right? Because of the, some things in the past that, you know, there's just certain owners in the league that for whatever reason, just can't get past that. So that's, and I agree with you. I think the McCaskies are hundred percent. One of those, one of those ownership groups as things stand. Um, but I agree with you in the sense of, you got to like what he's done in Washington. I mean, Sam Howell, number two in the league in passing yards after week 13, only the rookie sensation CJ Stroud is ahead of him in that category. And he has done a lot of good things, but Q, I think you bring up a good point, right? 
there's not a lot of guarantee that he's going to remain in Washington after this year, regardless. Uh, even if he is, you know, not getting a head coaching job, he's probably an OC somewhere else if Rivera and company get canned out of that commander's franchise, uh, just given the way I think this, this year has gone and probably them seeking a new voice amongst the top. I think the Biennemi as an OC conversation is interesting, though, because there is a lot of talk of, okay, you know, I keep seeing it. And I, I want to hear your take on this too, Q, because we talk about, right, you would think based on the commotion that it means the Bears are going to move on from Eberflus. At least they're doing their due diligence. But I keep seeing these people, and I'll just call them people, that think like, wow, maybe maybe Eberflus does get another try because they're starting to play better under him and the defense, ever since he took over defense play calling, they've improved. Obviously, Montez Sweat's addition has been massive in getting the Bears back on track. Do you do you think there's a world where the Bears hang on to Eberflus and, and move Getsy out in favor of somebody like Bienemy if that opportunity actually does come to fruition? Now, I if Kevin Warren is really calling the shots. And there's a lot of stuff lately coming out, really kind of making it clear that Kevin Warren it has a serious role in what the Bears do personnel-wise and in their in their front office and staffing. Um, I don't think Eberflus is back, really, unless – I think me and Juice talked about a little last week, like what would, what would have to happen for me to be comfortable even considering Eberflus coming back? Mm-hmm. And for me, it's a playoff win. Like, mm. it's – you need to go above and beyond what I think is possible for me to understand if you're taking a new quarterback, keeping Eberflus around. If you're not, then I start to get a little, it gets murkier, right? If you're sticking yeah. with Justin Fields, I can see it more with a, like an Eric B at OC, but I really, you don't get chances to draft guys like Drake May or Caleb Williams often. You know, th- those are top of the top tier prospects. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't see a world where that's not what not not what's going to happen. And if you're doing that, do not continue this vicious cycle of being a Chicago Bears quarterback where the guy who drafted you is fired a year later. Like that is not what we want to yeah. see. So ultimately, for me, I'm I'm sitting here saying no. I don't I don't see a world where Eberflus is back unless he does something crazy. Agreed. I I really do think a lot of fans in Chicago also feel that way of just finally seeing a front office coach quarterback tandem trio finally all on the same page. Right. Because it's something over the last hell probably ever in Bears franchise history. Let's be completely frank where that has actually happened and occurred. And especially again, in recent memory. So I think I'm on that same page with UQ. I just don't see a world where it happens. To me, though, that also signals probably the end of Ryan Poles, right? Because are you are you comfortable giving Ryan Poles truly, I guess, the first time to actually draft his guy at quarterback with a new head coach? Or do you think that in any case that they go the quarterback direction, it should be a full GM head coach quarterback coming in all new fresh slate under Kevin Warren in the, in, in the franchise? So if you, if you listen to our show early in the season – I mean, I was all aboard the, like, this is terrible. This is awful. I was in my emotions a little of, like, we need a clean slate, new quarterback. If you're doing a, doing a new quarterback, you need a new coach, you need a new GM. Just just clean it, wipe it all clean and say, we are redoing this thing. But Ryan Poles, young, his picks have started to really shine here the last five weeks maybe. Like, sure. we're seeing Jervon Dexter grow. Every time we see Zach Pickens – playing in a role that actually suits his physical abilities, there are flashes there. Like Darnell Wright has looked good all year. Uh, Kyler Gordon has started to look like a real dude in your secondary. And Tyreek Stevenson has flashed here and there. I mean, and um, there's a lot to like with the guys that he has drafted. I'm starting to kind of change my tune on it and say like, you know, I'm starting to really see what he's trying to build here. And I'm, I'm liking it. So, and, and I actually have an interesting theory on this too of, you know, Jervon Dexter, Zach Pickens, these guys, I, I think they could play pretty well in a three, four front. Mm. I don't think you're too worried about shifting a defensive scheme with the players that you have here right now. 
and saying that our guys don't fit. I feel like they're very versatile on that bat on on the on the defensive side of the football. And you could really mix and match what type of fronts you want to run with these guys. And you're not really married to anything specific. That's intriguing. And I think that's an interesting thought because I, first off, I, I love the fact that you have changed your tune Q. And here's why I say that. I think it's interesting because it truly shows how much football can change over a 14 week, you right. know, sample size, a lot of, sh- a lot of things can really change in a, a that course of time, right? If you think of a sport like baseball where they play every day, 14 weeks is a lot of baseball. You know what I mean? It's just – it's. I think it's harder for NFL fans to kind of say like, oh, it's a long season and blah, 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 because you only play once a week. So it's harder to kind of – I think for a lot of fans to kind of grasp that tune of like, hey – you might legit feel a different way in 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 weeks from now than you did at the beginning of the season. Again, not saying that you thinking that is a bad thing. I just think it's 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 yeah. a great like case study of it, right? Because I agree with you. I think we have seen a lot of these guys grow. You and I, I remember sitting here talking during the summer before the season began. We had the conversation of what do we want to see out of all these youngsters? We wanted to see growth. It didn't have to necessarily be linear. It just needed to be growth. As long as they were up on the on the bar chart before you know, by the end of the season compared mm-hmm. to where they were at the start of the year, we would be happy. And I think we've seen that with majority of these kind of – at least these top guys, right? Sure, some of the later round picks are, you know, maybe not the same, but Braxton Jones being healthy overall has played pretty well. Maybe he's not this elite left tackle, but he's been serviceable. He's been good. You're not replacing him. No, not at all. <laughs> Darnell Wright has been sensational, has battled through some nasty injuries, has just been an absolute warrior at right tackle. And between him and Davis and Jenkins and the way that those guys have played, they've really, I think, solidified that offensive line a lot. They still need a freaking center. That's their biggest weakness right now on the O-line. I know you've documented that extensively on your, yeah. your X account posting about Lucas Patrick. but I try to be as kind as I can. I, I, one I thing I've noticed <laughs> – you sit down and watch every snap for each of these players every time on the offensive line, it gets really hard to be too critical of these guys. Mm-hmm. Like they are in the snot and the dirt of it, putting their livelihood on the line, like smashing their pads into a guy across from them and giving everything they can. It's really hard for me to be too critical of them. So I try to be as kind as I can when I see a guy struggling. <laughs> It's 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 a rough position, man, and a lot of people don't see that. And it's it's the same way on the defensive side of the ball, right? Because you are it's it's a mini car collision on almost every single yeah. play for those guys in the trenches. And again, why those guys are so important to the teams, and I think that continues the point here, Q. Right? I think I I really like what Poles has, has done. I think, like you said, I think Dexter and Pickens have continued their growth. I think you're seeing them play a lot more because they're getting more comfortable in the defensive scheme. Montez Sweat being there just in general has added such a new element to this Bears defense that they just didn't have before. It's having the elite pass rusher on the outside and an elite defender because he's also great against the run. Ryan Poles, everybody criticized. Michael Lombardi was very adamant that it was a dumb play to go get a guy with a pick that's probably going to be a you know uh, somewhere in that thirty-five to forty range, and yet he's done enough to literally change the tune of your team to an extent. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I, I think Ryan Poles getting another look with a coach makes a lot of sense. What I hope for though, Q, as we're on that topic, and I think this is a great way for us to continue segueing our conversation as well, is I want to see Ryan Poles get a fair shake at picking a coach. Not this old school bullshit that we've seen where, you know, Ernie Acorsi and Bill Polian are picking a, a panel of five coaches that he has to choose from. They're None of that garbage. Yeah, none of that garbage anymore. That's done and over with. If Kevin Warren's making the decisions, you got to at least tell polls you can pick whoever the hell you want. And if he's going to go out and do that, then I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Because Q, you have a guy in mind that you think would be a really good fit for the Bears. Would you care to elaborate on uh, on that thought? Yeah, Ben Johnson. Offensive coordinator we're going up against this week. We went up against, what, three weeks ago? Detroit Lions. I mean, he has revived Jared Goff's career there in Detroit, which, so that checks off one thing for me, right? That checks off 
a guy who is able to make it easy for his quarterback and help him have an easy time seeing what he's supposed to be seeing. Like mm-hmm. that is that is number one on my list. That is the most important thing on my list for a future head coach. If you're if you're drafting a quarterback, you want that offensive minded coach who is going to be able to help your quarterback become what he needs to become. And we've seen him do it with a broken Jared Goff when he got to Detroit, like blatantly broken by, Mm -hmm. I I don't know if anyone out there who listened to the playmakers series podcast that the athletic put out where they went through the, uh, the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree and went in depth on a few of these guys. When they went in depth on McVay, it was really interesting to hear the stuff with Goff and how essentially their competitive spirit in that building kind of broke him down because they were so obsessed with everything being a constant battle mm. that it he was never given time to learn because every practice was a battle right it was never it was never about figuring it out as the quarterback and it tore him down and when he got to Detroit Ben Johnson was able to pick him back up and make him into like I mean he has MVP type stats in Detroit mm-hmm. again after yeah. he did it early in his career in LA before being torn down like that. So that aspect alone is huge to me. I mean, everything that I hear about Ben Johnson's offense, I can't sit here and tell you I've watched a ton of tape on it and I can tell you a ton about it. But what I've heard about it is that it's really not that many concepts. Like they, they run, they have like 12 key concepts that they do, but they can do it out of pretty much any formation, any personnel package. And it's really, he has built an offense there around the players who he has Mm -hmm. rather than building a roster around the offense he wants. And that's a huge distinction to me. And that's, that's something that goes hand in hand with QB development, I think. And something I think I'm excited to watch this game just to see what he's doing on offense and and pay more attention to it. Because I, I really think this roster is being, we look at the way this roster is structured. It's not that dissimilar to Detroit. No, it's really not. And I think, too, Q, I love what you said, because I think it's something that gets lost in football so often is these coaches wanting the roster to fit their system. And everybody's so hellbent and and egotistical of it needs to fit my system. And my system is the only way things are going to work. And that's not real football. That's just not the case. You're never always going to get every single player that can fit your group perfectly. Sure. There are guys that probably, you know, maybe fit a scheme better in a certain way than others, but it's never going to be perfect. And I I agree wholeheartedly with that with Ben Johnson, because you just look at how that offense runs. It's there's no one guy that is dominating the 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 catches or anything like that, because uh, first off, shout out to David Bennett here in the comments. And if you want to join the comment section, be sure head over either to on tap sports at Facebook or YouTube. Hit the like, hit the subscribe, hit the bell button. You know the drill. You'll know when we go live and you can join us in the conversation here because. You know, like David said earlier, when we were on the topic, a little bit of offseason stuff, he's saying the Bears should go get a number one receiver. He says great receiver can make any QB look amazing. Tyreek Hill being a great example. I think they already have that in DJ Moore. I think they need another weapon for sure. Uh, But I think they do have a number one receiver. But he also says going down the rabbit hole for another QB draft will set you back two to three years again, potentially. And But I I think, Q, I, I think they can go either way with it with a guy like Ben Johnson. Because look at that offense, right? They don't have a Tyreek Hill. Right. They don't have a Jalen Waddle on the other side necessarily of him. They, you know, they don't have a Devon H hand in the back. You know, they don't have all this speed that Miami offense is built for speed and they run it really well. But you have right. You have your power back in, in David Montgomery that just that hard nose grinder. He's going to score touchdowns. That guy. Right. Roshan Johnson probably fits that role pretty well. If we're show, you know finding parallels here, it's, it's like reading my notes here. Yeah, well, you know, I'm trying not to, you know, but, but, and you, you keep going down the road, right? They've built up the front five. I think you need a center, but you look at that front five, it looks pretty good and pretty competent. Detroit has the same thing. Amon Ross St. Brown is the number one go-to wide receiver. You have DJ Moore who fills that same role. Sam Laporta, elite tight end this year. Cole Komet can do the exact same thing, right? And then you have complimentary I'll push back a little on Laporta. I think Laporta is awesome. Commit's oh, good. Laporta is, a Laporta is awesome. 
Laporte is a stud. Uh, he's been a, a very big uh, fantasy football favorite of mine this year because yeah. I have him in quite a few of my leagues. But again, there, like you said, Q, there are so many parallels that this offense has. And you could absolutely see a way where you make another addition at, at another weapon spot, maybe at receiver. You add maybe another playmaker in the backfield like they have it in Jameer Gibbs, right? You add another another mm-hmm. dynamic rusher out of the backfield as well to complement a guy like Roshan Johnson. And all of a sudden, it's the Spider-Man meme in a lot of ways if Ben Johnson migrates to Chicago where he probably can run his offense in a very similar way he's doing it in Detroit. Yeah. Like, I mean, I look at – you mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown, right? Like, I don't know that Amon Ross St. Brown can play DJ Moore's role, Hmm. but I know that DJ Moore can play Amon Ross St. Brown's role. You know, so it's like like, that is an easy fit to me. You And then you look at their receiver room outside of that, I mean – Jameson Williams, he's he's one of the fastest people in the NFL, but he hasn't done a whole lot yet. Like, there's not a lot proven there yet, and maybe he will turn into this explosive, massive weapon. Mm-hmm. I think he could, but he hasn't yet, and their offense has kept chugging along. And then outside of that, I mean, you're looking at Josh Reynolds. You're looking at Khalif Raymond. I mean, you're looking at guys who you can find in free agency very easily, basically. 100%. And really – the line is like you said, it's a center away from being a very comparable offensive line. Like, I mean, Penny Sewell was my comp for Darnell, Wright. Like that there's a lot of similarities there in the way that those guys play the game in the way that they are able to play the game. Cause they're very talented up front. Um, now back to, to David Bennett's comment here a little bit about uh, going and getting that great receiver. I assume he's talking about Marvin Harrison jr. And I, so if you can get Marvin Harrison Jr. and the quarterback, I'm I'm here for it. You know, I love it. I that is the dream right there. But mm-hmm. if you can't, I, I'm really I, I I'm gonna push back a little on people who want to stay with Justin Fields and go get Marvin Harrison Jr. And and let me tell you why. Darnell Mooney's a pretty good receiver, right? I think he is. Yeah. I, I think he's a solid number two wide receiver in this. Very league. solid, yes. He's only being targeted 10.6% of the time this year. Do we think he's just not getting open? Do, do we think, I mean, I basically what I'm seeing is when I look at these numbers and when I look at the tape, DJ Moore is eating up 22% of the targets. Number one it's wide receiver. That's, well, I mean, it's a lot, but it's a top of the it's top on, wide receiver. You expect par. it, right? Sure. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's about what you should expect. But then Cole Komet is eating up 17% of the targets a lot that's way too close to dj Moore for me and you know what the average depth of target is for cole Komet? five yards quick so what i'm seeing here when i pair that with running backs who are eating up like 20 percent of the targets at basically zero average depth of target like that just right at the line of scrimmage for the most part i'm seeing that the vertical offense is just dj Moore. it's dj Moore if he's not open check down I'm not seeing a second read being hit. I'm not seeing options downfield being hit. I'm seeing, oh, DJ's locked up. I got to go to the check down. And that's what, like, I'm, I'm not willing to risk the type of prospect that Caleb Williams or Drake May are on Justin Fields having that second read in his pocket but not having shown it yet. like that. So that's ultimately where I end up with the idea of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Justin Fields is – are we sure he's going to get the targets mm-hmm. or are we sure DJ Moore is going to keep getting targets then? Because yeah. it sure doesn't feel that way to me right now. Yeah. And I think that's a fair argument. And I I've seen that a bit as well throughout the, the circles of the, the old interwebs of that same opinion, right. Of DJ Moore is getting majority of the targets. Cole Komet gets a lot of targets, you know, but Darnell Mooney has not been targeted. Darnell Mooney has just not been used in this offense a whole lot. So you have to ask yourself how much of it is potentially, you know, just Fields doesn't go to the second read or how much of it is Luke Getze telling Fields just it's DJ Moore or check it down, right? It, there, there, Maybe there isn't a second read right now built into this offense. And I agree with you. It, there is no guarantee bringing in a Marvin Harrison Jr. that he's going to elevate this offense if everything right now has that one read feel to it in terms of either the play calling or just how the execution is being handled by the quarterback position at the moment. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it, and we're going to have months to debate that, but oh, sure. it's just, it, it's what, it's the hot topics on Bear's Twitter right now, right? That's, that's Absolutely. one of them. And it's, uh, it's a talking point for me. Absolutely. And something that I have a strong opinion on. No. And I, I think it's, I think it's a very fair opinion too, because then you start to ask yourself the question, right? Of, well, let's say they do go out and they get Ben Johnson right after the season's over. Eberflus is fired on, on uh, black Monday and you know, it, everything occurs the way it does. And a week later, because you know, Detroit's going to be in the playoffs and that, you know how that weird shit goes with head coaching and all that, mm-hmm. you know, let's say the, the bears do bring in Ben Johnson. He's the new head coach. He's the new face of this franchise. He's going to call plays. He's going to be that guy. Now all of a sudden, then you do start have to kind of sit there and going, okay, well, let's say the Panthers continue to do the the favor for us and continue to suck, and the Bears get number one, and maybe Caleb Williams does go back to college, and he says, you know what, screw it, I'm going to go back and play my senior season at USC. He ain't and- playing his ball game. <laughs> it's done. Yeah, there ain't no chance. But let's say let's say you know that comes to fruition, and maybe the bear maybe the bears fall in love with Drake May. Let's just say hypothetically speaking here, right? And maybe that's the number one pick. But if you're picking five or six or seven, you're probably not getting Marvin Harrison Jr. anyway, unless he slips. It's possible. But that's your opportunity to get another elite player at another position that's still going to help this offense or or potentially right. even help this defense. And we've seen how Ryan Poles has built that throughout the draft. So. You still have tons of opportunity, but again, a lot of that I I really do think is going to hinge on the coaching hire, and you're starting to hear the whispers now, Q, as we've been discussing here, you know, about just where this team's direction is after the season with a head coaching position. And of note, there are three wide receivers in this class who could be wide receiver one in previous classes. Mm. Like between Marvin Harrison Jr., Mm -hmm. Romo Dunze, out of Washington and Malik neighbors out of LSU. You got three guys who you could be talking about as the top guy in last year's class. Malik neighbors is a name that really intrigues me because I've had a couple of conversations with friends of mine that are much more tuned into college football than I admittedly am, especially this year. And they love him. And the same point that you just said, they said, why can't he be a a guy that comes in and you pick him maybe at seven or eight or nine or 10 even. And you're still sitting pretty with another elite weapon that you add to this offense, especially if you get your quarterback well, position at the top of the draft. To that point, like if you get Ben Johnson on this offense, you add a free agent center like uh, the guy out of Miami, maybe, um, who's been one of the better centers in the league. We'll see if he Connor actually Williams. hits the market. Yeah. yeah, Connor Williams. And you add a Romo Dunze or a Malik Neighbors, you don't need to be C.J. Stroud for this to be a playoff team next year. True. You like need to be, that is you need to be you need to be like two thirds of what Jared Goff is right now. You could make an argument the supporting cast is as good, if not maybe if if the rookie receiver shows out early, mm-hmm. maybe better than what Detroit is rolling out there right now. Like yeah. the personnel, you could make an argument there. Yeah. And I, I think you you even can as we continue our parallels here with Bears lines on the mind queue. Even defensively, I think you can make the same argument. Obviously, Detroit has severely missed uh, Houston, you know, him being injured. And reportedly, he's supposed to be back before the season's totally over. And they'll they'll need him in the playoffs as a pass rusher. But you look at it, right? You have Aiden, you have Aiden Hutchinson, you have Montez Sweat, right? You have Unique Ngakwe, you, you have Houston, you have big boys in the middle that can play well. You got athletic linebackers, Jack Campbell, you know, versus Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. And then you've got a pretty competent secondary, which... Admittedly, I think the Bears have a, a, a hair of a bit better secondary than the Lions do. Uh, I just wish the Bears had a weapon like Brian Branch back there, but that's neither yeah. here nor there. But uh, in agreement with you, Q, you even look on both sides of the ball. You can make the exact same argument that this defense is going to play nasty and tenacious, especially as they have over the last eight weeks, really, uh, with them accumulating that 4-4 four and four record. Who's to say this Bears team, and especially now with the additional playoff spot, who's to say this Bears team couldn't even at worst case scenario next year with a game-managed level rookie quarterback, dare I say, play as well as Brock Purdy did as a rookie, Mm -hmm. and this team absolutely could be in the playoffs in 2024, and maybe you're starting to look at real quote-unquote Super Bowl contention maybe in 2025 and even 2026. I mean, this team, this Bears roster right now, it's starting to feel like 2017 to me. Mm. If I'm being 
completely honest, just that they didn't take the quarterback a year too early. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, I, I feel like the parallels are there, and I I see him, I feel him. I mean, I don't know if you're going to need a Khalil Mack trade because you have so much draft capital, but like you, this roster is starting to feel like it's a quarterback and one or two moves away from being about as good as you have in the NFC. Yeah. If it, I, you need, you need some development to keep going right too. there. Don't get me of wrong. Course, like of you, the development needs to continue, but if that development continues, I feel like they can be in a position to be pretty darn good next year and be I in that 2025 Super Bowl. Absolutely. And especially to Q externally speaking, right in, in the NFC, I mean, you've got the Eagles and the, and the Cowboys, right? You've got the Niners. That's really the only teams that I can yeah. probably confidently sit here and say are probably back in as good as they are this year, probably next year. Otherwise, you look at the rest of the NFC, it's a total toss-up. Who knows what Minnesota's going to be next year at this point in the year? Green Bay looks like they're going to be a pain in the ass for the next however many years. Of course they fucking are. Hey, Neither here nor they there. They will, but you know what? Jordan Love has a ceiling. I, I firmly believe this. Jordan Love is a Kirk Cousins. He's a Jimmy G. He's one of those guys. He's never going to be the quarterback who makes them like scary. He's going to be a quarterback on a scary roster. Mm. He's gonna he's gonna win you games if you put the talent around him. Right. Yeah. I think, and that that's what it, how I felt about him all year is that that's what he could be. It looks like that's what he's becoming. So I mean, I'm just gonna ride with it until he doesn't which I don't really count on anymore because he, he looked pretty solid on, on Sunday night. But he's, uh, I, I don't think when when stuff breaks down and you need a play, I'm not sure he's the quarterback who's ever going to go make you those plays. That's fair. But, again, I, I think that, you know, just furthers the argument of this Bears team can absolutely compete in 24 if you get a quarterback that all intents and purposes I, – I, I, because frankly, at this point, Q, my my thought with Justin is it's not even that I don't like Justin uh, and I don't want him to be good. I just think he needs the yeah. change of scenery at this point. I think that's the best thing for him. And it's not fair for him to have to deal with another head coach, another OC, another year of speculation. Go somewhere, get a fresh start and let that team just take you and turn you into hopefully a great quarterback. And I hope that works out for him. But whoever just, goes to get him is going to give up real capital to do it. 100%. And they're gonna have they're gonna have to make the move thinking we might need to re-sign this guy to an extension. Like they're gonna be in it. And right now the Bears aren't in on Justin Fields. They're yeah. they're they're flailing around hoping that it works out. But he needs a team that is in on the Justin Fields business. And that's what I want to see. I want I'm rooting for him. I want him to do well. I just don't think it's gonna be here because the Bears aren't in on him anymore. Agreed. Uh, agreed. I, I'm wholeheartedly there with you. And I, I did see uh, a report, and I'll call it a quote-unquote report, um, that Atlanta and, and Vegas are believed to be two teams that would really be interested mm -hmm. in Fields, assuming he becomes available once this season. He's going to sell a lot of Falcons jerseys. Sure would. He's a Georgia boy. He's a Georgia boy. He would sell a lot of jerseys down in Hotlanta, um, especially those really cool throwback black ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would even consider buying one of those if we're being brutally honest, because those are sweet jerseys <laughs> and they look really good. We do have a comment here, friend of the program, Mr. Joey Ricotta. He says, I want to keep fields theoretically if they did. What do you guys think about trading down twice, passing on generational Marvin Harrison Jr., snagging another number one pick next year, and then you draft either neighbors or Induze and stack? So I mean, I'm I'm all for grabbing neighbors or Dunze. Like I don't I, I do not think it's MHJ or bust. But the the tra trading down, it sounds so good right now, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're experiencing the best possible outcome you can get from a trade down. But what happens when you trade down and say that, or let me put it this way. Say that the Panthers took CJ Stroud. How would we be feeling about the trade down right now when we're picking 15? Not great. It's, it, it, you're, you're playing the lottery. And when you have two prospects like May and Caleb, who are very strong quarterback prospects, why why are you playing roulette again? Like that's that that I just have a hard time wrapping my head around that. Like, and I get the fields love. Like I I get it. I feel we were just talking about it. 
I mean, it's, I want fields to do well, but I just, I don't buy that. It's going to be here. I don't buy that another, a, another offensive coordinator. If it doesn't work out with the next offensive coordinator, what happens then the GM gets fired, the head coach gets fired, the OC gets fired. I mean, and then you're, you're back in num like looking for a quarterback territory. It just seems mm -hmm. like a missed opportunity to me to go that route. A hundred percent. I'm in full agreement with you there. Q Q as we've gotten down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Uh, we'll, we'll spin this a little bit here, not too terribly because right. We're, we're looking ahead. We're going to be thinking about the lions here in just a second. Bears are, are four and eight again, right. You talk about draft position. We have best case scenario. The bears are four and eight. They, they currently sit the number five pick in the draft. All things considered, obviously number one right now, thanks to the one in 10 Carolina Panthers who finally, 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 I'm sorry, one in 11 Panthers who finally just got eliminated from the NFC South contention because that division is such hot garbage this year. But to your point, right, the Bears are experiencing the best case scenario, but still, Q, we get our favorite time of the year. The Bears are still in the hunt, and that was the talk of the weekend. <laughs> they are still there on the graphic late in the season, still in the hunt. They still got a chance at this thing. So, Q, for a little bit of, uh, of hot take sake here a little spicy take we'll poke the bear so, so to speak here do you think the bears actually have a legitimate chance of rattling off these last five games and maybe making the playoffs i mean they'd need some luck i don't think they can win five straight i i, I but i think they could win three maybe four so they need they need some teams to lose some breaks to go their way um realistically i'm not I'm not even really considering it, but you know, it's, it's a weak schedule. They, they play a bunch of backup quarterbacks and Kyler Murray. I mean, if, if there was a schedule that could do it, it's probably this one, but ultimately I end up thinking Browns probably get their number um, and Lions probably get their number this week. It's kind of what I was thinking too. I, I think the Lions are going to get them this week, even though the last time these two teams played it, you know, came down effectively to the wire. Um, and I agree. I, I think the Browns are really the only team on that schedule that I look at and I go, ah, just that defense is so good that their defense alone could win them an ugly football game in Cleveland, you know, during what is that week? Uh, 15, right. That the, they play the Browns. Yeah. It's the following yeah, week so. right now after Detroit's Detroit and Cleveland I back to back. So. And then it's uh, what? Uh, Arizona, Car Atlanta. Cardinals. Yeah. Arizona, Atlanta, and then green Bay to close out the yeah. year. They, they play up in Lambeau, of course. Uh, Let me uh, to to Joey's comment here about about Michael Penix Jr. Let, let me just ask a question: Does Odunze and Polk make Penix look better than he is? Mm. That's I mean that's just a question. I I haven't sat there and watched his tape, but it's something that keeps crossing my mind. Of when you got two receivers that good, how good do you really need to be to stand out? That's fair. That's that's a fair question to ask. And uh, for those that may be listening to this on audio only version at some point here, uh, Joey's comment is, I like Fields, but you know my thoughts. I don't believe in any of the top QBs. Michael Pennish Jr. in the third, he would be okay with. Uh, and that prompted uh, Q's answer here. It's a fair question. And you know what? I mean, you can make the argument about just about any, uh, you know, quarterback that's coming out of college, right? That's going to be part of the fun part, you know, from January till April is evaluating these guys and you get, you know, in front of them and, and you hear their thought process and how they operate through decisions and all that good stuff. I mean, it's, it's a hard process that's at hand, but I mean, we are not even a, a just a hair over a month now from finding out where you know the bears are going to be picking come april and then you know the the speculation is really going to start to fire off but the bears are in the hunt um nonetheless i agree with you q i i don't have a lot of optimism there but uh it'll be interesting to see joey with an answer to your question q he says sometimes yes mcmillan also is really good i think he's more polished though sloppy footwork is his downfall in his opinion uh but would like to hear the thoughts on the season when we dive in and yeah we will absolutely be diving in all off season long it'll be a blast here at bears on tap and uh, be plenty of faces as well on the microphones as you know q is getting primed up for some goodies during the off season Whoa, all the yeah, we've all got the evil a planning if anyone followed the uh, building the board project we did last year over at Windy City Gridiron, we are bringing the same concept here to 
on tap sports net, few different faces, but we are going to have a whole team scouting the draft class, going position by position, episode by episode, week by week. We'll be talking each position and ultimately building a big board for the Chicago Bears. And then our goal is to have some some mock drafts where we have some guest GMs like Ron here or maybe B-Don or maybe Joey who will come on the show and we will be the scouts pitching them the picks that we think they should be making and see mm. see where it ends up. Mm. I'm excited for that. That's going to be a lot of fun during the offseason. So again, something for our listeners to get excited about. Obviously, we probably won't be talking after each playoff game, unfortunately, because uh, that'll just be the, the state of the Bears at that point. It'll probably be over come week 18, but uh, certainly plenty of good things on the horizon to be looking forward to here with Bears on tap. Q, so we start to wind down this show. Let's look ahead to this week 14 matchup between the Lions and Bears. Again, these teams just met a few weeks ago. Uh, came down to the wire. Bears blew a lead. We were all pissed, and let's be honest, I don't think any of us were surprised, uh, but the Lions came away with a win at Ford Field. This time, it is at Soldier Field. It's going to be colder than a son of a bitch. I think it's supposed to snow, actually, on Sunday, too, uh, ironically, for this game. So it could be a, a, a true winter matchup between these NFC North rivals. How do you see this matchup playing out, Q, and what do you think are some of the keys uh, for the Bears to maybe sneak out a win against the NFC North's best right now? So let's look back at the last game, right? You know, Bears had three picks on Jared Goff. They, they got up to a big lead, and you're sitting here saying, why does this idiot want Ben Johnson? They picked him off three times. They picked off Goff three times. Goff was not playing well that game, but you know what? They still scored 14 points in the final four minutes to win. That's why I want Ben Johnson, because that is he figured it out. He found a way to get his offense going when they had nothing that day mm. and found a way to win the football game. And I, I honestly think that, you know, the Bears defense, they might have some answers for this offense again. We'll see it, a lot of that will fall on coaching and how they how they adjust from what they did last game, like because. If Detroit's saying they're saying, well, we know what they did last game. We know how to beat it now. Like, if you roll out the same thing, they're probably going to beat you. But mm -hmm. if you go make some subtle changes, some little tweaks in there, um, something that you've really noticed in the Bears tape lately is they're, they're bluffing cover two, which is beautiful, which is awesome. That's what you want. Like, you, you have lulled the league to sleep on third downs because they believe you are just going to run cover two all day. And then you show them cover two, but then it's not cover two. And that, that's mm -hmm. where some of the Bears, like, like friskiness has started to come from, from a uh, forcing turnovers aspect. So I want to see some more, some more changes there on the defense. And, God, it's just – it's going to have to be an ugly game. I mean, in the snow, in the cold, like, I mean – I. I don't know what you're going to get done passing. Who knows? Maybe they'll run all screens again. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, really, I I did take the over in this one because I do think it's the overs at like 40 and a half. I have to think both teams are scoring 20 points, even if the weather's bad, um, just because the last three matchups between these three teams have gone over 50 points every time. Um, even the blowout last year, it was like 40 one to 10 or something like that. So that even yep. that hit 51. Um, so what's I the over under for the C points 40 and a half. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it, uh, hmm. I don't know. That's, a I'm, tough th one. I'm thinking either both teams are in the twenties or one team is around 30 and the other around 10. So like, I, I, I you know, it, maybe that's, 31 to 14 or something, or maybe it's okay. 22 to 21 or like, who knows how it's, how it's going to shake out. But I do think you, you see both teams score a few touchdowns, which at that point you're talking the over. Um, so yeah, really offensively, I'm not sure how Detroit's going to attack this. I mean, if I were Detroit, I wouldn't want to just go into the game saying we're, we're going to pound the ball into the dirt because the bears run defense has actually been pretty solid. Mm -hmm. um, anytime that uh, Andrew Billings is off the field, maybe I'd get that mentality, 
But if he's on the field, I'm probably not trying to run too much, especially if him and Dexter are out there at the same time. Um, Attacking the middle of the field, like I'm still – I know the linebackers have been playing better. I'm still attacking these linebackers. I'm still attacking the bear safeties. I'm still testing them, making it like, so Mod Ross St. Brown and Sam Laporta in the middle of the field is going to be a tough matchup on the bears. Um, and Jameer Gibbs has really gotten going. So keeping him down, like getting uh, some screen passes, some quick outs to some speed outs to Jameer Gibbs. That could be something that we see some of um, on defense. I'm doing what works. I'm lighting up Justin Fields. Mm. He he hasn't proven he can beat a blitz yet. So until he does, why why would I do anything different? He's gonna get yards on the ground because of it, because that's what he does. I mean, when he when he gets blitzes, he gets free running lanes, and I'd expect that to continue. But I don't know if if I'm the Lions, I'm sitting here saying he'll get his on the ground, and it, it's like a like. There was a great analogy I heard. I think it was Robert Schmitz a few weeks ago where he was saying, is Fields a point guard or is Fields a shooting guard? Mm. I think he calls his own number too much to be a point guard, right? And that that kind of goes into our conversation earlier about, like, it's DJ Moore or Checkdown because he's he's not that distributor. Like, to the levels of the field, like, looking here, 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 that's not, that's not the way Justin Fields necessarily operates. So – when I'm playing the Lakers, we'll let Kobe get his. I'm just going to make sure no one else gets theirs. And I think that's what the, what the Lions are going to try to do. I like it. I like that analogy a lot. I, I, I agree with you, Q. I think this is going to be a Lions win. Uh, you know, I think what I think they could probably sit here and do a little bit of what they did last time against this Chicago Bears offense, at least in terms of defensively, because sure, yeah, the Bears got their points, but they were able to keep it close. And we know when the Bears get a lead, they just they tuck and hide in their shell and they don't do anything because that's just how Luke Getzey calls a game at this point. You probably I would probably throw in some more blitzes, but just sit back and like you said, let Justin get his on the ground. And if he's going to beat you, you either has to, he has to beat you with second and third reads or, or he's, he's going to have to beat you with explosive plays. And if you, you limit one of them, usually water finds its level and, and something's going to work out for the lions. And I think offensively, they're just going to be too good. looks like the snow is supposed to move in overnight into the morning, but it's going to be a windy howling day at, at soldier field. So Maybe it is a, a beautiful day for the Lions to say, hey, we're going to get creative. We're still going to take ours and pound the rock with, with Monty and and with Gibbs, but maybe they get a little cute. Maybe it's more, you know, kind of the – I don't want to say gadget plays, but you get a player like Gibbs more involved, you know, less airtime on a, on a football and, and more on the ground and more through, you know, just creative thought process from a guy like Ben Johnson. Uh also, shout-outs because Joey Ricotta, for those that don't know, on tap bets. Be sure to check them out. Uh, he says, Bears money line, plus three and a half just to be safe. Um, so, to that, I actually kind of like Bears money line because, like, so I don't see a world where the Bears cover and the over doesn't hit, right? Mm. The only world that exists in is one where the Bears just, like, blow them out like like 30 something to seven like that that's the only world where i think the bears win and the over doesn't hit so like at that point you're saying well why not just take the plus money at bears money line right like yeah if they cover it's good i think they since i already have the over i should specify since i've already Fair. bet the over like i don't see a world where the cover matters it's either money line or over Money liner bust, baby. I like it. I like it. Uh, I, you know, I might, we might do a little sprinkle on the old, uh, on the old Chicago Bears, uh, when it comes to Sunday's game. I'm right there with you. Q, before we start to wind this thing down, score prediction. What's Sunday's final between the Bears and Lions? So we know my rule life's too short to pick the Bears to lose. So <laughs> I am here saying that the Bears will win. Ooh. So, give me Justin Fields rushing touchdown, a DJ Moore touchdown, and Roshan Johnson rushing touchdown. Hmm. So, 21 at a field goal, make that 
24. And then for the Lions, let's say Monra and Laporte each get a touchdown and Gibbs 21, 24, 21 Bears. And your over hits in that instance as well. Yep. I, I like it. I like the thinking. I too will ride you here. I they had the bye week. Like I, I feel like if there's any week that you're gonna, if you're the Bears and you're gonna beat the Lions, it's gotta be this one. And you know, I, I think they got a chance. They're playing better football, even though it hasn't been pretty. Uh, but they're getting the job done. They're racking up some wins. Uh, obviously, beating the Vikings on Monday Night Football was a big one. Uh, I'm going to also roll on a similar tune, but not quite to the same extent. I think the Bears are able to muster up 27 points in this one. Uh, but I think it's still going to be about as close. I'm going to say 27-24. Chicago Bears. Uh, we're going to ride that money line here. And take that going joey wanted to know we did we talk about roshan's increased role last game uh we certainly did not unfortunately uh, it didn't really matter the bears <laughs> running to tack really didn't have a ton of yards if it wasn't uh justin fields trying to take off and run but uh it was uh it was nice seeing roshan it's, it's probably uh, finally healthy as well i think a lot of it is coming down to they are getsy has really fallen in love with the run screen options and I think Roshan is the better fit for the optionality there because of his pass protection ability, because of his his ability to become a receiver pretty easily. Um, that really plays into the runs, the optionality there, the run screen option. If Justin pulls it, Roshan is a good blocker. If uh, if he's throwing the screen, again, you can go blocker, you can go runner, you can go if he goes screen but decides to pull it down because the guy read it, he has Roshan on the other side as a receiver. I think the the optionality that Roshan brings to the table really plays into the run screen option offense that they're really trying to push right now. I like it. I like it a lot. Well put, Q. Q, before we get out of here, I want to remind everybody Bears on Tap is one of two official podcasts here for the On Tap Sports Network covering the Chicago Bears. Check out our friends over at the Bears Nation podcast. They're at Bears Nation Pod on the socials. Uh, you can find us as well at Bears on Tap on your social platforms. If you're not following at Butkus Stats, I don't know what you're doing because it's one of the best accounts <laughs> on the app. Be sure to be over there. I am at Loose on Tap. Also, be sure to follow our buddy Juice at Juice on Tap as well. Uh, we will be back with you guys again next Tuesday. Follow this Detroit game we will be looking ahead to that Cleveland matchup hopefully we're talking about a win because talking about wins are cool and tough but we will see what happens this coming Sunday be sure to follow along for all your Bears news updates and silly shit that occurs here at ONTAP Sportsnet you know the drill we got both baseball teams in town covered it's the winter meetings it's been a busy week over there and the Bulls and Blackhawks as well and everything in between just as our friend Joey Ricotta over at ONTAP bets as well ontapsportsnet.com at ontapsportsnet on the socials the ontap sports network go and check out what's on tap in chicago sports and again be sure to follow along on the youtube on the facebook like subscribe hit the bell button you'll always know when all of our great shows go live right here on the platform q it's always a pleasure my friend great show today the bye week is over the hibernation has ended five weeks of football to close out 2023 for the chicago bears what do you say buddy we got out of here with a good old bear down Bear down.